Last Sunday, I preached a message that was the end of our series on when God showed up. That particular message was focused on not the first time when God showed up, but the second time when he will appear. And we talked about that, and I encourage you to share that message online. And I told you that there would be some bracelets. Uh, we had hoped to have them last Sunday. Uh, global shipping issues had other plans in mind. But those bracelets are ready. And uh, ironically enough, they say, are you ready? <laughs> you will see those bracelets on the tables as you exit today. If you're watching online, pick those up the next time you hear it Northside. And the purpose of it is really very simple, just as a conversation starter. So when someone sees that, when you're sitting on the plane, or when you're in a business meeting, or when you're at school with your friends, and they say, are you ready? Ready for what? It leads you to an opportunity to share the reason for the hope that you have in Christ to be ready for the day that he returns. So I'll encourage you to get, uh, there's children's, there's children's regular and uh, extra large bracelets and just find the bag that suits you best for you and your family. Everybody can get one. Grab one of those on your way out. Uh, that message was a record breaker. 49 minutes, 49 minutes, no kidding. I, it was about when Jesus returns. I almost preached us till Jesus returns, so... But people need to know. People need to be reminded. And as Christians, maybe sometimes it's tempting because we hear that, I mean, especially if you're a faithful Christian, you hear that most every week, you know? You, you hear about Jesus all the time. And you assume just because you hear it all the time that people around you know about it too. You assume that your kids know. You assume that your ki- grandkids are ready. You assume that your neighbors are ready. You assume that your coworkers are ready, but they're not. And so may we be diligent this year in sharing the reason for the hope that we have. I'll preach every week, but there's people that you will reach that I will not. And so the Lord needs you to carry that conversation to be his ambassador for him. It's a new year, 2022. And as has already been said, you sometimes talk about New Year's resolutions and New Year's goals. Uh, one of the things I really love about the Bible reading calendar that Brian already mentioned is that not only is it a cool plan, it's very simple to follow, it's very convenient in terms of a calendar, but on the inside page of the Bible calendar is goals. My goals for 2022. I'm, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions. February 17th is the average date of expiration of, of New Year's resolutions. But goals, goals I like. Because goals can be set in a way that you can work on them throughout the year. Goals are, have a way of, of helping us assess where we are and where we want to be. So I have a question for you. This year is a new year. The calendar has changed from 2021 to 2022. And some people say, well, new year, new you. But will it be? Will it really be any different? You can't have a new you if you don't make some changes. There's no way for a person to become new while remaining old. There's no way for you to be any different in 2022 if you stay exactly the same as 2021. Well, we understand that. We get that. You know, if, you have, if you have goals in your marriage, well, 
You think, well, I'd like to be closer to my spouse in 2022. Well, that's not going to happen if the only time you're in your house, you're on your phone staring at your screen. You're not going to get any closer to your spouse. You're going to have to put the phone down and have a conversation. You're going to have to take, make some time and go on a date. You're going to have to send the kids a babysitter and, and you know, you're going to have to work on that, right? If you have that goal, unless it's, it's wonderful to have a goal, and you write that right inside the first page, hey, we want to have, improve our marriage, but it's not going to change if you don't change. If you and your spouse do exactly the same things you did last year, then this year, why would you expect it to be any different? In your career, you know, if, you, if you want to make changes, say you're at a certain level and you want to go up you know, a couple of ranks on the ladder, you'd like to move offices, like a title change or, or some more income, you might some more opportunities, well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you go into work with the same old attitude and complaining all the time and berating your boss behind their back, why would you expect anything to change? If you don't learn any new skills, if you don't bring any new value, why would you expect anything to change? 2022 won't be any different than 2021 in your career if you don't, if you don't decide you're going to change some things. Your health. And this is the, the, the year that, you know, the, the time of year people think about that. And in 2021, you won't be any different if you don't make any changes in 2022, which is why the gyms are full in January. And people have good intentions. But if you don't make those changes, you're not going to see any different. The end of 2022 will be the same as the end of 2021 if you don't make changes, diet and exercise and all that good stuff. There's lots of areas of life where we understand that just because it's a new year doesn't mean it's a new you. You get to decide. The first part, I mean, you don't get to decide what year it is. You get to decide what kind of person you're going to be. You can't change a lot of the externals, but you can certainly work on the internals. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that. My title of this lesson is New Year, New You? Question mark. Because the last part really is a question. Now, I'm going to tell you that there is the, the only key to true, lasting, effective, eternal change is two simple words. Jesus Christ. It's my conviction and my belief, I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't believe this, is that Christ is the key to lasting change. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is talking about his ministry, and he's talking about this idea of reconciliation. By the way, if you're a guest with us this morning, we do have a few who are with us. Um, If you don't have a Bible, take that Bible in front of you, that pew Bible, page 1238 is where you want to turn. That's 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, And keep that Bible, by the way, as our gift to you. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul's talking about the ministry of reconciliation and kind of helping us to understand what they do in the apostolic ministry. And so he uses a lot of these we phrases. And he says this, verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us. One translation says the love of Christ compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him 
who for their, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, that's a big if, but if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of a reconciliation. So, as, as Paul goes on here, I, just this thought occurred to me in this scripture. That in Christ, we can have true and lasting recreation. And sometimes you hear sermons on you know, the new year, and here's all the things that you can do, all the things that you take, that you do the work, you do the heavy lifting. But Paul says it is through Christ that one is a new creation. I was talking with my daughter yesterday about you know, my journey as a Christian. You know, that was 30 years ago. And Toby's a different person today than he was 30 years ago. And that has more to do with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working in my heart, and the power of God's Word working in my life, than it does to do with Toby. Now, if I had not made the decision to to follow Christ, to obey Christ, to yield to Christ, I'm 100% convinced my life would look very much different. New creation begins with a new creator. That is Christ Jesus. Any person that Jesus walked with, they never stayed the same. If they chose to follow him, if they chose to yield to him, if they chose to obey him, they would be completely different. Ask Peter. Peter, a common, uneducated, ordinary fisherman with perhaps a swearing problem, was the one that was transformed and recreated to be the very first gospel preacher. Isn't that cool? Well, that wasn't because of Peter's efforts. I mean, yes, Peter had to decide to follow Jesus, and Peter had to decide to yield to him, and Peter had to, had to decide to let Christ continually work on him and give him the transformation of heart and life that he needed. But it was Christ who did the work in his heart. It was Christ who took Peter, known just by the locals as old Cephas, to the one who is known as Peter, the apostle. So, new creation requires us to have a new creator, a recreator, one who leaves nothing the same. The nature of God, the nature of his creative process is to change things. You don't need for me to explain to you long about that point if you live in Kansas. Friday, we were in the 60s. Today, we're in the single digits. We understand that the nature of God, even even in the created world, is constant change. You know that at some points of the year, the, the, the Heller family knows that for sure, the, 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 the certain points of the year, that sun shines right there. And certain points, it doesn't. But it will always be consistent 
That's, that's the nature of God is to create things in such a way that they change consistently. So if you want to change effectively and eternally, you need Christ Jesus. Let's talk specifics about how, because at this point you're like, well, okay, yes, I agree with that. But, Toby, you gave us 49 minutes last week. Let's see if you can break the record this week. Come on, you can do it. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to give you a few ways in which Christ transforms us. Specifically, I appeal to you, brothers. This is Romans 12, page 1215 in the Pew Bible. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Oh, that's a whole sermon within and of itself. Do not, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformation, becoming a new creation with Christ, starts when he begins to transform your mind. Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, uh, to, to take every thought captive, to make every thought obedient to Christ. Now, it, it starts with one thought. Will I choose to believe Christ? Do I trust him? Do I believe he was who he said he was? Yes. Okay. What's the next step? All right. Well, if I believe he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, then I'm going to do what he says. Okay, so it starts with that single thought, but Christ, Christ takes dominion. It's not just like that single thought. Once you let him in truly in here, Christ, the nature of him is to just take over, to commandeer, to conquer. That, that's what he is. That's his nature is to take, if we will let him, to take every thought captive to Christ. Here's why that's important, because, because, Transformation of any kind, kind, lasting transformation, requires from the inside out. Most people try to transform from the outside in. Christ works from the inside out. And that's really important because your mind is a very, very powerful, as we talked about. How many of you have played the Oculus? Anybody done that? Oh, man. Being, being pulled into the matrix, aren't you? <laughs> I, we played this for the first time. We played, for, played this for the first time uh, New Year's Eve. And we put on, I mean, if you don't know, it's virtual reality headset is what it is. And you put this headset on. Now, I know that I'm in my basement. I know that I'm on a carpeted floor. But I put this headset on. And my mind says, I'm somewhere else. It's crazy. It's really kind of trippy. It, you're, so this particular game was you get in an elevator and you go to the 100th floor of a building and you walk out on a plank. That sounds fun, doesn't it? You put this on. Now, I know I'm in my basement. I know there is nothing but secure concrete floor all around me. But my mind will not let me take a step onto that plank. It won't do it. The survival instinct has 
has kicked in. That's how powerful my mind is. Uh, I've got this part, this battle within me. There's part of me, hey, hey, stupid, you're in your basement. Just step out. There's no risk. But there's another part of my mind that says, whoa, whoa, whoa. What we're seeing here is a hundred stories up. That looks dangerous. Do not step out on the plank. That's a simple thing to tell you how powerful your mind is. Okay? We have to be careful with the stuff that we let in our mind. If you want true lasting transformation, then you have got to start with the renewal of your mind. And the only way that that happens is letting Christ into your mind and yielding every thought to him. We already talked about Bible reading plan. I'll give the third plug for it. Okay, What is happening when you are reading the Bible is more than just checking off a list. You are yielding every thought and taking it captive to his word. And that's powerful. If you'll let your mind be renewed by the master, get ready for amazing change. It starts in your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We're not going to delve into that. There's a, there's a whole, probably a whole series there in that, those two verses in and of itself. But it starts with renewal of your mind. You, you, you can't put in all of the old Hulu and all the old Netflix and be surrounded by the same people. And, and if, you, if you have the same inputs to your mind as you had in 2021, you're going to have the same output. And so the key to lasting change is drawing near to Christ. Letting him transform your mind. And that's where true lasting transformation, the only way that I know it can happen. Okay, so the first is you let him transform your mindset. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, page 1,257. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He's speaking about uh, the, the idea of living in Christ. But then he talks very specifically about the humility of Christ and his example. And he calls us to the same type of life. Uh, we're in Philippians chapter 2. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ... I mean, think about when you started your journey with Christ. Has he changed you? Has he changed your thinking? Has he changed your heart? Has he transformed your desires? Good. If there's any comfort from his love, if there's any participation with the Spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy, he's saying, listen, if you've been at all impacted by Christ, listen up. Complete my joy by by being of the same mind, having the same love being full of, in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves. Uh, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The NIV uh, 84 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. 
your, your mind first must be transformed. Then second, your attitude must be transformed. Now, now Paul does a great job of calling the Christians at Philippi to live in an unselfish, self-sacrificial way. What he says to is, think about what Christ did. Think about what Christ did for you. He didn't do that because that was his desire. He laid down himself. He laid down his life. He he was submitted to death, even death on a cross, because he loved you. And if he loved you that much, can you not also love one another that much? Can Can you draw out of yourself for just a second? You know, it's really hard to escape yourself. I mean, it is really challenging to not think about yourself. It's the nature of human beings to be self, to, to think about ourselves first. And I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the only way a person of, of, of the flesh can be transformed, not just in their mind, but in their attitude, where they're not thinking of themselves. In fact, they're thinking of themselves less and thinking of others more. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And there are simple examples with that. You know, when you came in to the building this morning, if you're here in person, you probably had a thought about the temperature of the room. Oh, this is too cold. Oh, this is too warm. But for who? This is too cold for me. This is too warm for me. When you picked a seat this morning, you, you, you thought about yourself. Where did, where did I, where should we sit this morning? Well, I want to sit where it's good for me. I, this is the nature of people. I do the same thing. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, like, to use a couple of examples of how we think self-first a lot of times. But what if that transformed? What if we allowed Christ to transform our attitude and say, where should I sit that would be good for someone else? Oh, gosh. I mean, that middle's right empty, but I like it right here on the corner. I do. I'm not picking on anybody sitting in the corner, okay? <laughs> I like the corner spot. But I'm, I'm saying, if, if we think selflessly, we begin to think, okay, you know what? I know it's inconvenient. I'm going to scoot toward the middle, though, because it's for someone else's interest, not my own. Oh, that's hard. That's very challenging. That's a simple example. There are, there are thousands more. If we begin to think what's in the best interests of someone else, not necessarily what's in the best interests of me, not what do I want, but what does he want? I've got this little bracelet. We talked about that. Oh, watch is going off there. I'll deal with that later. Okay. I've got this bracelet on. And some of you are thinking when I talked about the bracelet, you're like, I'm not wearing a stupid bracelet. That's dumb. It's dumb. That's dumb because I don't want to wear it. But what if there's somebody that you see every single day 
that's headed straight to hell. Because you, you won't have a conversation. What if you're willing to think less about yourself and more about the best interests of others? That's what Christ did. And it's not just what he did, by the way. It's what he calls us to. Have this mind among yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. This is so difficult. I think in terms of myself. I think about myself first. And I'm convinced we must have the mind of Christ in order to have the mindset of Christ. To let him alter our mind so that our attitude can change. We think not of ourselves first, but others first. Not just others first, but we think of them, as Paul says, as more significant than ourselves. Can you imagine how Facebook would change And I'm just saying, if even Christians, what if we posted things that were only a blessing to those who read? Ah, that's not what I want to do. I want to share my opinion. I want to let everybody know what I think about everything. Okay. But is that Christ-like? It's challenging, isn't it? That's why we need Christ to do it. That's why we must let every thought be taken captive. We're going to talk about this theme. You probably saw the sign as you came in. This is our theme for 2022. And all throughout the year, we're going to talk about, first we're going to talk about one. That's kind of why one is a little bit bold there. Because we're, we're talking about loving the one God. One God. Paul talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're going to talk about the one the unity of God and the oneness that he calls us to and how to do that better in Christ. But then we're also, there's a second aspect to it and it's one another. That starts with Christ. I don't know any other way to do that. You know, Christ was the only one who could bring together tax collectors and zealots in the same group. How to do that? It's the nature of Christ. And so, when we talk about one another, you need to understand that starts with one, and then it moves to one another. And so, Christ is going to change our mindset, he's going to alter our attitude, and he's going to help us make new decisions. Turn to the book of James, chapter 4. James, chapter 4. Come now, this is page 1,293. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You probably did something like that as you thought about the new year. What are we going to do? Yesterday, our family talked about family vacation. Where are we going to go this year? We've done this and this and this and this. What are we going to do? Where are we going to travel? How are we going to do that? And we we all shared our ideas. We should go to a national park, or or we should go to the the ark out in Kentucky, or we should go to, you know, back to the beach, or we should, you know, we shared all these different ideas of what should we do. Well, you probably did the same thing, maybe not for vacation, but maybe you had in mind, here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to go here or there. We're going to... We're going to take on a business venture. We're going to, we're going to sell the thing. We're going to, you know, all of these aspects we think forward. James says, wait a second, hold on. Verse 14, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. 
You don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. If you didn't learn that in 2020, you weren't paying attention. What is your life, he says? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to think about it, fails to study it, fails to, not fails to do it, for him it is sin. For, for, for you and I, it is not an information problem. We do not. We live in the information age. I mean, there's a whole generation. I'm not picking on you guys, but the mindset now is: I don't really need to know that. Why would I need to know that? I don't need to take up valuable brain space up here. I can pull that up at any point at any time. I can fact check the preacher in real time. Is that true? I have instant access to information all the time. Information is not the problem. Information doesn't lead to transformation. Information is not the problem. It's application that's the problem. It's always been application. I mean, all of the goals that you set, you know how to get those goals. But it's not an information problem. It's an application problem. If your goal is to get healthy, it's not that you don't know what to do. Drink more water and eat right and exercise. You know those things. But why do so many people struggle to get healthy? Because it's not an information problem, it's an application problem. It's not information, it's application. It's not knowing the words of Christ, it's yielding to the words of Christ and doing them and putting them into practice. James says, whoever knows what he needs to do and doesn't do it, that's the problem right there. With Christ, Christ is the key to being a new creation. And in him you get a new mind, you get an altered attitude, and if you'll yield to him, you'll make better decisions. Now, I, I didn't say easy decisions, I said better decisions. There's a simple, easy way to remember this. Your decisions determine your destination. You want to end up in a different place in 2022, you're going to make different decisions than you made in 2021. You want to be a transformed, renewed in your mind, altered in your attitude, making better decisions person. It doesn't start with you. It begins with Christ Jesus. And I wish I could say, invite him into your heart, but the scripture doesn't say that. I wish I could say, just pray this little prayer, but the scripture never mentions that. Jesus said simply, believe and be baptized. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's Mark 16, 16, if you want to look it up. That's not an information problem. That's a simple verse. That's an application problem if you haven't done it. And so you've got to decide. You want to decide if you want to be a new creature. You want to decide if you want a renewed mind and an altered attitude 
and to make different decisions. If you want those things, then you have to decide to obey Jesus. It's very simple. That's where it starts. It's a new year. The question, the question is, will it be a new you? And that is up to you. The lesson is yours. The decision now is in your hands. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And if you need to obey Christ, not believe in Christ, not trust Christ, not pray to Christ, but if you need to obey Christ by putting him on in baptism, we'll be glad to help you with that this morning. We're going to sing this song. And as we stand, if you just go to the back, our shepherds will be there. And you just say, I need to make a decision to obey the Lord Jesus. And if you're ready to obey him, then you can be part of the one body and we'll be glad to head to heaven together. If you need to make that decision this morning, if you're ready to put on Christ or to know Christ, or if you need some help in your spiritual life, please head to the back as we stand and sing.